0: Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunkin' with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan sided network. Happy Monday, everybody. Happy Timberwolves game day. Today on the show. We have plenty to cover. First, I thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Remember, Lockdown Wolves is free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube, as well as Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course, the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at Wolves and at Beacon with two Bs, two Es, CK, Yeah, this episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you don't want or need and can even negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. Today, Wolves Pacers, the Timberwolves have won, uh, what are we now, six of the last seven games, I believe, including the loss in Charlotte on Friday and the victory on Saturday over the Philadelphia 76ers, So I guess, yeah, six out of the last seven. We're going to talk a little bit about Wolves-Sixers here, the first part of the show. Uh, we didn't do a post-game podcast Thanksgiving travel over the weekend. Uh, so I want to hit some of the key takeaways from, from that exciting game on Saturday and then look ahead to Wolves-Pacers in the week as a whole, where the Wolves sit in the Western Conference standings. All that good stuff is coming up on the show today. Um, okay, so let's, let's actually go ahead and, and hit Wolves-Sixers right off the bat here. So, um, I mean, this was an incredible game. The Timberwolves, you know, obviously the city, just a ton of fun to watch as a basketball fan. Too many foul calls, far too many foul calls that went uh, the way of the Sixers and Joel Embiid. We'll talk more about that later, but... But the Timberwolves, I mean, this was a ton of fun. The Timberwolves built a 15-point lead early. They led by 15 and a half. um, And then it actually got up over 20 before the Sixers really pushed back in the third quarter. And I mean, yeah, the officiating helped a little bit, but the third quarter wasn't as much officiating as um, as it was really just hustle. Um, Jared Vanderbilt went, when the Wolves were, I think up 18 or twenties when Vando hit the bench in the third quarter Vanderbilt had started, um, which by the way, uh, Vando and Torian Prince both got the start in the absence of Patrick Beverly on Friday. We saw, uh, Jane McDaniels in the starting lineup on Saturday. It was Vanderbilt and Prince with no Patrick Beverly out with the adductor strain. Um, and when Vando went to the bench in the third quarter, it was all Sixers. Uh, Sixers got to basically every 50-50 ball, um, and the Timberwolves did not make adjustments. The offense got stagnant. It was a lot of four shots, especially Anthony Edwards. By the way, Ant was great early. We'll talk more about Ant specifically here just a little bit. He was great early in the game, him and Carlton Towns both. Uh, but then the third quarter, the offense was completely stagnant. Tons of four shots, especially from Anthony Edwards, completely losing the hustle bet-, bet on both ends of the floor. The offensive rebounds that Vando was hoovering up No longer possible for the Timberwolves to rebound the ball on the offensive end of the floor with no Vanderbilt on the court. Um, And the offense just completely dried up. The Timberwolves scored 16 points in the third quarter. And what was a 15-point halftime lead was down to two, headed to the fourth. And then the fourth quarter, the officiating kind of went off the rails Um, and the, the Timberwolves finally found a little bit more rhythm offensively. And basically what that was, was D'Angelo Russell running high screen and rolls and then picking apart the Sixers defense early in the game. It was more picking it apart with passing late in the game it was picking it apart with uh, mostly threes, but really from anywhere on the floor, D'Lo hit some mid range shots. He got into the paint, hit a couple of scoop layups. And um, for whatever reason, teams still let him get to his left hand and he can, he's deadly uh, when he gets to his left. And I mean, down the stretch, it just Embiid got a ton of foul calls. The Sixers got their first lead of the entire game with just under two minutes left in the game. And then, of course, Carlton Towns fouls out in the final minute, um, D'Angelo, or in the final minute, I should say, final 30 seconds, really. D'Angelo Russell had 15 points in the fourth quarter alone. And then down the stretch, it was D'Lo and the ancillary players. It was Nas Reed. It was Jaden McDaniels. Um, it was Torian Prince ultimately who were making these, these shots, uh, with no Carl Anthony Towns in the game, Anthony Edwards, mostly going cold in the second, uh, the second half entirely. I think he had a couple big shots down the stretch, but for the most part was very quiet. Um, and just really impressive execution down the stretch, except for the final play of regulation when Anthony Edwards just went isolation and jacked up a 28 footer, which actually, I, you know, I'd love for him to go to the rim. It wasn't an awful shot. He was wide open, and we all know that Edwards has that range. It's just in a tie game, you'd like to think, you know, if it was a two-point game, that's not a bad shot at all. But in a tie game, you'd like to get something going to the rim. Besides that, at the end of regulation— I thought that the Timberwolves execution down the stretch was generally really good in both regulation and both overtimes. Um, so what I want to do next is I want to hit studs and duds from this game, individual studs and duds really quickly, and then three key takeaways to pull out of this game and apply moving forward. And then after that, we'll look at the schedule. We'll look at Wolves Pacers on Monday, that matchup, um, and what to expect here moving forward. So that's all upcoming here on the show today. First, though, before we get to all that, uh, before we before we get into the, uh, into the individual studs and duds, Let's talk about our title sponsor from today's show. And that, of course, is our friends over at Prize Picks. All right, NBA fanatics, have you heard about Prize Picks? Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know you will too. Prize Picks is the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players, only recording a handful of minutes each game. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All of your users that deposit and use your promo code will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just be sure to use the promo code NBA. You pick two to five players and an over/under on their projections, and you can win up ten, up to ten times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. For instance, you can do mixed sport entries like uh, the over on Anthony Edwards' points combined with the under on Kirk Cousins' interceptions. If you wanted to play on a Sunday, uh, use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in sixty seconds or less. It's that easy. Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out PrizePix.com. Use promo code NBA or go to your App Store and download the app today prize picks is Daily Fantasy Made Easy. Let's also talk about our friends at DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part is that there's no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more about about it at directtv.com. That's directtv.com compatible device required. Content varies by package. Okay, let's talk key takeaways from Wolves Sixers on Saturday. So, number one was the offensive balance. Early in the game, Carl Anthony Towns was a monster. He made his first eight shots of the game. He was seven for seven shooting by halftime. Um, and Towns was really, actually, as a whole, the Timberwolves offense was getting it done in the paint. I don't believe the Wolves shot a three until they were, uh, I think, like their first 18 or 20 points came from in the paint. In fact, 20, to, 20 of their 35 first quarter points overall on Saturday came in the paint for the Timberwolves, which the Wolves still, after Saturday, they're still number one in the league in three point attempts per game. And I think that's great. It's outstanding. They're shooting the ball better from deep now than they were even 10 days ago. Um, but it's the old, you know, I think that this got overplayed the adage of, Oh, play inside out, play from the post out to three point line. Nowadays, that's not really how it works, but sometimes that is, you know, against a team like the Sixers, when they're going to try and assert their dominance inside with Joel Embiid, if you can hit them in the mouth early by scoring in the paint, and then, you know, Get yourself some points on the board, maybe get them into foul trouble. That didn't really work out as much uh, for the Timberwolves as it did for the Sixers. Um, but then the three-pointers can come later, and that's exactly what happened in this game. And Cat and has been shooting less and less threes lately, and that's a trend that hopefully will reverse itself. But he was fantastic in the paint early. Again, made his first eight shots of the game, seven of seven at halftime with 17 points. Anthony Edwards had 14 points at halftime. Um, and by the way, finished with, I think, just 19, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, Ant had 19 for the game. He had 14 at halftime. So he only scored five points in the second half, uh, plus two overtimes, the third, fourth quarter, two overtimes. Uh, but a great start to the game for Edwards, a great start to the game for Cat. Ant, of course, had that windmill slam in transition. Uh, he had another nice dunk off an offensive rebound, I think, from Vanderbilt, kicked it out to Ant on the right wing, and he drove for a nice tomahawk slam. Um, Really, really strong start for both Cat and Ant. And then on the flip side, D'Angelo Russell started the game shooting three of 11 on, on field goals. He finished the game 13 of 25. So he started three of 11. He finished 10 of 14 over the final quarter, uh, well, two overtimes plus the fourth and, and about half of the third quarter. Um, three of 11 and then 10 of 14 the rest of the way to go 13 for 25 for the game for D'Angelo Russell. And I, I, I talked about this, I don't know, probably early last week or late the week before on the show, and, and I tweeted about it um, during one of the games early last week, that if D'Angelo Russell can find his niche, niche as kind of like a, um, you know, the third, very clearly the third offensive option behind Towns and behind Edwards. And as long as it's not a clear like your turn, my turn, like it was earlier this season, it was this awkward kind of disjointed Trading isolation possessions, trading Edwards and Russell, operating pick and roll, Towns and and kind of morphing into an isolation, and where they flatten out and just let somebody go to work, as long as it's not a clearly disjointed your turn my turn situation, and it's a it's more of a, a an offense with a true flow to it that then kind of morphs into okay D'Lo legit got the hot hand now we'll let him orchestrate because he's a good enough passer and generally a good decision maker, you can make that work if he's got the hot hand. And they needed him to do that late, especially once Carl Anthony Towns fouled out. But Edwards was cold. Cat was fouled out. So you need a guy like D'Lo that can go get you buckets. The problem is with D'Lo is that occasionally he'll think he's that hot hand and he's not, or he'll just simply have a poor all around game. And it seems like that happens more often than, or I shouldn't say more often than not, more with D'Lo than it does with other star caliber players. And if D'Lo could just be a little bit more consistent, um, then this is the exact type of performance that It's why he makes sense with this team because Anthony Edwards is a fantastic scorer. He can score at all three levels. He, uh, you know, he has limitless range on his three-point shot, but he's not quite as pure of a shooter as D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell can get his shot off anywhere, and he's just a better and more efficient shooter than Anthony Edwards. Carl Anthony Towns is great from everywhere on the floor, but we all know what his shortcomings can be if he doesn't get help with teammate, from teammates, you know, the offensive fouls, foul trouble in general. Um, teams are able to double-team him in the post, and with D'Angelo Russell, he can get his shot off anytime, anywhere. And that could be extremely valuable. The other thing I want to shout out related to D'Lo, his defense in this game, especially late. We all, I mean, we know he got the game-winning steal, right? In in double overtime, trailing by one. He gets the steal, the Tyrese Maxey pass when he left it behind. D'Lo gets it uh, up court to Torian Prince. Should have gotten a foul call, by the way, on Prince's layup. And the league admitted this in the the, uh, final two minutes report on Sunday morning that it should have been called an and one on Joel Embiid when Prince hit the game-winning layup, which just like four seconds or so left in, in the second overtime. But the steal from D'Angelo Russell, and he had another steal late in the game as well. A couple of really strong defensive plays. Um, and I've talked about this on the show before. D'Angelo Russell's never been a good defender. He just hasn't been. But he's got the size, the anticipation skill, um, and, the, and the basketball IQ to be a good defender. He can be, or, or maybe not a good defender. He can be an adequate defender for the most part this year especially of late, he has been an adequate defender. And I've said this a lot. I'm going to keep saying it. If D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards, if they can go from terrible to adequate defensively, it's the same as some of these other guys going from adequate to fantastic. It's the exact same thing. And if you can make that gap up there with your worst defenders, if your weak links are suddenly average or mediocre at, at worst, then you're in a really good spot. And D'Angelo Russell was better than mediocre in this game defensively. Really impressive showing from D'Angelo Russell, especially down the stretch. The other, uh, the second key takeaway, Leandro Balmaro as the first sub off the bench. Uh, I've, I've waited now, you know, almost halfway through this podcast to talk about Balmaro, but uh, he went from being a li- literally never playing rotation minutes except for garbage time to being the first sub off the bench in, uh, you know, granted, second night of a back-to-back, but in Philadelphia a- against a good team in the 76ers, And played a really good game. Um, I mean, he ended up only playing 17 minutes, but he was in the game in the second overtime as a defensive sub uh, when when Finch was trying to match defense for offense and get D'Lo off the floor at times. Uh, You know, once uh, Jaden McDaniels, Jared Vanderbilt, and Carlton Towns had all followed out of this game. Landry Balmaro played 17 minutes. Uh, he only took two shots. The Sixers were more than content to let him try and shoot. Uh, I believe one was a, a layup he made at the rim, a difficult shot. And then the other was a long two. Um, but he had three points in 17 minutes, one to two shooting. It was one or two at the line, three rebounds and assist and only one turnover. And basically it was the backup point guard of this game. He was running the show when D'Lo was off the floor and looked the part. He looks like he, he can... Manage, um, and it was really interesting that Jordan McLaughlin got zero run, and it was just Lander Ballmar. And I don't know if it was just throwing the Sixers a curveball, or if it was you know the Sixers generally play a, a bigger lineup anyway. You know, outside of Seth Curry and Tyrese Maxey, this is a really big team, um, and the Timberwolves aren't. They don't have a lot of size, um, and Patrick Beverly isn't big, but he plays big and he's long. And with him off the floor or him not available. Um, Chris Finch deciding to go with Landon Balmoro for some of those minutes is really interesting. And I, I'm, I'm intrigued to find out, as I'm sure we all are, whether or not Balmoro is just a part of this rotation now. If he played well enough, we're like, hey, he's the ninth, tenth guy. You know, some nights we'll see McLaughlin or Kogi, Some nights we'll see Balmoro. Some nights, you know, it, it, if it just kind of rotates through when Patrick Beverly's out, I think that's part of a bigger conversation about how the Wolves cover for Patrick Beverly's minutes. Um, but I thought that was fascinating. Um, the third takeaway is the fight through officiating adversity. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you know I've brought up officiating less than five times ever over the past two and a half years. Uh, This would be maybe the second time this season I've mentioned officiating. Um, I actually don't think it was that bad over the first two and a half, three-ish quarters. Um, Well, I should say lopsided. It wasn't good on, on either end. I don't think it was that lopsided. Late in the game, though, is when things really started to shift, and uh, my uh, DVR had recorded the Sixers broadcast. Philadelphia 76ers announcers were noticing um, that there were some some friendly calls going towards the hometown team. Um, the out-of-bounds call that went off Joel Embiid's back, that wasn't close, and the official was standing right there, and it didn't matter because Embiid traveled on the very next possession down the court. This was, I think, late in the fourth quarter, maybe early first overtime. It ended up not mattering because the Wolves got the ball right back, but it was atrocious. A couple of those tinky-tack calls, I mean, Town's sixth foul call was Pretty ridiculous given some of the contact that, um, you know, Edwards and D'Angelo Russell were taking on the Wolves' offensive end of the floor. But the Timberwolves fought through the officiating adversity. They had three guys foul out. Um, not that this is a measure of anything, but nobody was called for technical on the Timberwolves side. Chris Finch, for the most part, kept his composure. Uh, but I mean, it was pretty brutal. Um, and the Tim are a team that in the past and even earlier this year, they've been known to kind of lose it and just say, Hey, the world's against us. It's us against the world, but in a bad way and just kind of fall apart. That didn't happen in this game. Despite three of their nine rotation guys that appeared in this game, fouling out with six personal fouls and Nas Reed, by the way, had five. DeAndre Russell had four. So if this game had gone on much longer, it could have gotten really hairy for the Timberwolves. Um, but they handle the adversity fairly well. And I thought that that was good to see. All right, real quick, studs and does. Deandre Russell, obviously a stud, 35 points on 25 shots, 13 to 25 shooting, better than 50% from the floor, six to 10 outside the arc, getting that three-point percentage up over 34% for the season, which is good to see. He only attempted four free throws, but made three of them, eight assists, four rebounds, two steals, two blocks, Five turnovers for D'Lo, and there's not much more that needs to be said other than he was he was ice cold, uh, uh, in, in in a good way. He had ice in his veins, uh, late in the game, fourth fourth quarter, first second overtime was fantastic. Um, second stud for me, Carl Anthony Towns. I know he fouled out. He played a good game, 28 points, 11 of 16 shooting, ultra efficient, three of five outside the arc, three of six at the free throw line, 10 rebounds. Weirdly enough, he had no assists and no steals, despite both those categories uh, seen upticks for him so far this season overall. Uh, But one block, only three turnovers in 37 minutes, and it didn't really get into serious foul trouble until late. I know Embiid had 42 points, but a ton of that was done with Towns off the floor, and um, he shot 21 free throws in this game. Which is just just boggles the mind, considering Towns shot six, and the Timberwolves as a team shot sixteen. Um, I, I just I don't know. I, I don't know what else to say about that. Uh, the third stud for me in this game, Nas Reed, fantastic. After Carl Anthony Towns fouled out, did the best he could. On Joel Embiid it was called for some ticky tack fouls, but had 13 points on six of nine shooting, hit a massive three in his only three-point attempt of the game, a really, really timely three-pointer, five rebounds, 13 points, five rebounds in a block. It was a plus three in 21 minutes. So a good all-around performance from Nas Reed. Good to see him step up for Cat. In a in a really strong way, no duds in this one. I mean, you win double overtime on the road, blow a double, blow a twenty point lead, and still win on the road double overtime against Philly and, and Embiid's return. No duds, and and really there there couldn't have been any. Um, everybody played well. You would have liked to see a little more out of Malik Beasley at just five points in twenty four minutes, but uh, this was also a matchup thing. Torian Prince played well, so they left him on the floor. The Timberwolves tried to play bigger overall, um, and uh, you know, quiet night for Beasley. But I don't think anybody deserves a dud in this one. So super fun game. A uh, really, really great way, you know, bouncing back from a lethargic performance on Friday in Charlotte where they just didn't really seem to be with it coming off the emotional win over Miami at home on Wednesday. Uh, it was great to see the bounce back on Saturday. Okay, I want to close the show by previewing Wolves Pacers on Monday night and the week ahead overall. First though, before we do that, let's talk about our friends at Built Bar. It's here, the best Monday of the year, Cyber Monday, and Built.com is the place to aim your mouse, get at least 20% off everything delicious and healthy. That's 20% off site-wide, and even bigger discounts on Built Boost, Broth, and Built Swag. A brand new Built Bar flavor has landed just in time for Cyber Monday, Caramel Almond Delight, and it delivers everything it promises. Caramelized chocolate, check. Almonds, check. Delightful, Double check. Be sure to get yours before they're gone. 150 calories, 17 grams of protein. And this season, maybe you're craving white chocolate. For a limited time, get a special new built Bar Puffs flavor white chocolate cheesecake, the yummy protein treat filled with marshmallow center covered in white chocolate, 140 calories, 17 grams of protein. Tis the season to save and... To give your taste buds the gift of Built Bar, get to built.com for these incredible tasty new bars and 20% off everything. Head to built.com, enter code LOCKED20 before it's too late. Again, today only, Monday, November 29th, 20% off everything built.com promo code LOCKED20 today before it's too late. Let's also talk about betonline.ag. It's Thanksgiving weekend has just ended and we're still in November. We all know what that means. Football, it's the middle of football season and nothing goes better with football than betting. BetOnline has you covered all holiday season. More props, odds, and lines Than ever before, BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. And it's not just football. BetOnline has pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, and even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline, we're stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving and holiday season. Okay. Um, Let's talk Wolves Pacers. So Indiana this season has had a really disappointing go of it. They were a little bit of a surprise last year, or maybe a little bit better than people expected. So far this season, a a disappointing go, although they have played a little bit better of late. Um, And I'm going to pull up their record here shortly. Uh, Let's see. Uh, They're 9 of 13 overall, but lately they've played much better. They've won uh, three out of the last five, and that includes wins over the Bulls, Pelicans, and Raptors. The Pelicans win isn't all that impressive, obviously. And the Raptors have also disappointed this year in our 9-12 uh, and 12 on the season, I believe. Uh, but then they lost on Sunday to the Bucks, So they will be coming into Minneapolis on the second night of a back-to-back. They lost at home against Milwaukee. So they'll be flying in from Indianapolis. The Wolves, of course, will have been home since late Saturday and had Sunday off. So the Timberwolves will have the rest advantage. They will have the home court advantage, obviously, as well. And this is a game the Wolves are going to be favored in. And they should win over the Pacers. But the Pacers obviously have, I mean, they still have a strong roster. They've just had a really disappointing season so far. And it's it's surprising given head coach Rick Carlisle, obviously being fantastic. He's very familiar with the Timberwolves and their personnel. Um, but uh, it's a team that's been healthy. I mean, they haven't had TJ Warren all season. Um, obviously, uh, you know, Karis LeVert coming back from injury, but... Um, Malcolm Brogdon has been really good. Damanis Sabonis has been consistent. Miles Turner, uh, I, everyone's favorite Timberwolves trade target. Certainly my favorite Timberwolves trade target, which could be a realistic thing if the Pacers continue to be below 500 in a week Eastern conference. But, uh, Miles Turner has been really good for them this year. He's over 40% from three-point range and has basically just been a spot-up three-point shooter within their offense, which would be great. To, uh, I mean, I love Jaden McDaniels, but to put Miles Turner in the Jaden McDaniels role would be really nice uh, for a lot of reasons for the Timberwolves. Uh, he would be kind of a fully realized, you know, better spot up shooter and even a better defender than Jaden McDaniels, um, at least in the team concept. So anyway, that's that's not what this is. But uh, Miles Turner, when you're watching Wolves Pacers on Monday, think about him in a Timberwolves uniform. I don't think it's likely to happen. I don't think the Wolves are at this point, you know, uh, you know really jonesing to make a trade, but if they're able to land a Miles Turner at this point, you know, like for instance, a quick aside, if the Timberwolves were able to get him and had to give up like a, um, you know, Malik Beasley and a pick or something like that, I, I don't know that the Wolves would do that because I think the edge that, or the the scoring um advantage that Beasley brings off the bench for the Timberwolves is probably a little bit more, you know, the, the gap between the the potential upgrade from McDaniels to Turner probably doesn't make up for what you'd be losing if you were to trade, say, a Malik Beasley or if you were to trade Jaden McDaniels, for instance. So I don't think a Turner trade's likely. I want to be clear. But he's still a fun trade target, a fun player to consider if he could slide next to Carl Anthony Towns would be, would be awesome. Um, Sabonis, of course, still there. Malcolm Brogdon's their leading scorer. It's a team that's actually been pretty decent on both ends of the floor. They've had some, some bad luck in close games so far this season. Their Pythagorean win loss record should actually be above 500 and they're nine and 12 on the season. They're the 12th rated defense in terms of efficiency and middle of the pack, exactly 15th offensively, um, middle of the pack and three point shooting. They're a top 10 rebounding team on both ends of the floor. So just a really well-rounded team that's had some bad luck luck in close games. So while it is a game the Timberwolves should win given home court advantage, the rest advantage outside of Patrick Beverly, the Timberwolves are healthy. Um don't look at this as oh the Pacers are 9 and 12 and and trust me, the Timberwolves cannot look at this like oh the Pacers are 9 and 12, we should win this game. Well, the Timberwolves are only 10 and 10. I get that the Wolves have won what, 6 out of the last 7. Um but we all know that the Wolves have had their problems overlooking supposedly inferior opponents and the Timberwolves cannot afford to do that. They cannot afford to look ahead at the rest of the week and, and look past this Pacers team. Um, the the Pacers are an interesting matchup for the Timberwolves. It's a team that's very comfortable playing slowly, um, slowing down the pace and can, can beat you in, a variety of different ways, whether it's a bonus in the post, whether it's a combination of, of, you know, Brogdon and Miles Turner and Justin Holiday from the perimeter, uh, Jeremy Lamb off the bench for them, it, you know, can hit some, also Keelan Martin, former Timberwolves two-way player. It's been a couple of years since he's been with the Wolves, but he's now a part of their bench rotation. Um, it, it's a, it's a beatable team, but they're also a team that can win in a variety of different ways. And the Timberwolves haven't necessarily shown the ability to do that yet. So this could be a really interesting, close, fun game on Monday night, between the Wolves and Pacers. Overall, in the Western Conference, the Timberwolves right now, uh, it's actually fascinating. The Wolves are just 10 and 10. And while the Western Conference is still the better conference, it's suddenly very top heavy with Golden State at 18 and 2, Phoenix at 17 and 3. Of course, both teams, the Wolves, have played pretty tough this year, although they lost to them. Um, but the Wolves are only two games, or excuse me, one game back from the four spot in the West. They're 10 and 10. The Mavs are 10 and 8. So they're two games back in the loss column. But, um, you know overall they're one game back from the four spot uh, they're still the clippers and the blazers are or are, uh, are, are there too as are the grizzlies at 10 and 10 um but minnesota's only one game out from the four spot they're three games out from the three spot in the west And uh, right now they're solidly, they're tied for the sixth spot with Portland and Memphis. Um, So there's this logjam, really mostly teams we expected to be in that range. The Clippers, the Blazers, the Timberwolves, the Grizzlies in the five to eight spot in that order. The Lakers somewhat of a surprise at nine and the Nuggets a surprise at 10. There's maybe been a little bit of of shuffling there from where we thought teams would be. Um, Of course, we're talking 20 games into an 82 game season and we're talking like a difference of two games between the four spot and the 10 spot at this point. So, uh, don't get too caught up into it, but it's fun to keep track of it. Um, also Tim record or excuse me, Tim schedule this week after they have the Pacers at home, this is a quick one game homestand. It's the first one of those we've had, uh, I guess outside of the Miami game last week, it's the second one of these we've had this season. The quick one-game homestand, and then to Washington, D.C. to take on the Wizards on Wednesday evening, before flying up to Brooklyn to take on the Nets on Friday night. So a very difficult road trip: Washington and Brooklyn out east, before coming back home. They'll get Saturday, Sunday off. Come back home next Monday for a three-game homestand. Some, uh, you know, more difficult games against Atlanta, Utah, and Cleveland. So really, this Indiana game is is the last game the Timberwolves are going to have against a team that's currently under 500 for the next couple of weeks. Um, So it's a very important game or a very important opportunity for the Timberwolves to win this game against the Pacers. And I'm sure that Chris Finch is delivering that message. They cannot overlook this Pacers team. As silly as that sounds, we've seen it before, but with some of these other games, the Brooklands, the Washingtons, Atlanta you know all these teams on the horizon that are going to be difficult to beat they have to beat the Pacers and move above 500 for the first time since uh, they were two and0 this season um, or I guess since they were two and one this season um, so we'll have a post game podcast following the show on Monday night so that'll post late Monday and of course coverage throughout the week we're back on our regular Monday through Friday schedule daily make sure you're subscribed and following the show wherever you listen to podcasts thank you for those of you that do make lockdown wolves your first listen each and every day it is greatly appreciated Remember, free and available on all platforms that includes YouTube now, as well as Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all new Odyssey app. And if you do listen on those platforms, please rate, review, comment, all that good stuff, and, and follow and subscribe, of course. It definitely helps us out, and it is greatly, greatly appreciated. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right, that's all we have for you today. Thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.